0: station podcast where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else so pull up a stump pop the billy on or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of australia home this podcast is brought to you by pioneer water tanks every pioneer tank is made with the exclusive pioneer v-lock wall profile a stronger and stiffer corrugation profile which not only looks great it lasts longer. The Pioneer V-Lock wall profile also protects the liner from overstretching so it lasts longer in the tank.
1: Welcome back to the Central Station Podcast. My name is Steph Coombs and I am your host. And in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Danielle Doyle. Danielle is from Bar Station on the Barclay Tablelands, and in the last seven years or so, she has become an iconic character of the Outback because of her insightful and also hilarious blog, Miss Shardy. Labeled by her husband as an indoor cat, Dan is not your typical station manager's wife. She doesn't ride horses and you won't catch her out on a muster or in the cattle yards. She's unapologetically authentic and has built a family and life that she loves in the middle of bum truck nowhere, as she calls it despite not fitting in. In this episode, we have a yarn about Dan's experience of matching to the beat of her own drum and a launch of what her husband calls the most effed cookbook ever. Welcome to the podcast, Dan.
2: Oh, thank you for having me,
1: Steph. I wasn't sure if we, if I was talking to, like, Dan Doyle today or Miss Shardy. Like, are we, are we going with Dan, do oh, you think?
2: I can be anyone you want me to be.
1: <laughs> Who do you want me to be? I'm anyone. Can you be the person that delivers a frozen coat to anyone. my door? Because that's what I'm really feeling like. Oh, can you be the
2: person that delivers cold cold Chardonnay or cold white wine to my door?
1: I'll put in a word with the mail plane. <laughs> awesome. Um <laughs> Be now, great. normally I do a fair bit of preparation for these episodes, but I thought, well, let's just wing it because I like to wing things sometimes. I know you like to wing things. We both have um, <laughs> been winging the whole creating a podcast thing. We're both just learning as we go. So I was like, why not just figure it out? And I did think it makes sense. Because like I told you before, I've got so many episodes planned for you, about 1,400. And I thought it makes sense. fantastic. (laughs) You're never getting rid of us now, especially now that you've called in on a landline and I've got your (laughs) home number, so there is no escaping. (laughs) But it makes sense that in the first episode, we'd kind of do the who, what, where, like how did you come to be out in the territory on a station and become this Miss Shardy character? But... I don't know, like just because it makes sense, I feel like we should not do that and we should just jump straight into like your life today and we can go back and do that another time. Is that all right? Oh, there are no rules are there. We can do whatever the hell we want. We can make up whatever order we want. So why don't we start off with you just saying, I suppose, a little bit about yourself and so people know who this amazing Daniel Doyle, Miss Shardy, extraordinaire, Wild Spark is. <laughs> a pioneering
2: woman of the out. That is definitely not me. Sure, Steph, I can give a little bit of um, background of where I live, maybe, and who I am. Okay, so yes, I'm Dan Doyle. I live at Midibah Station, which is on the Barclay Tableland in the Northern Territory. And we are five hours northwest of Mount Isa, so we're kind of in between Mount Isa and Tennant Creek, but... We always go into Mount Isa. We don't often go the other way into Tennant Creek uh, because my children do their school through Mount Isa School of the Air and my older boys go to Brisbane to boarding school and that's where we get all of our stores and everything. Um, So I am married to my husband, Marty, who manages this station that we live on and work for the North Australian Pastoral Company. And he has been with them... Or a, forever since you know 1921. <laughs> um, no, probably not that long, but um, <coughs> he's been with them since he left school and came up here as a jackaroo. And I have been with them since 2000, um, 2002 uh, when I moved in with Marty at Alexandria Station. So um, we've actually been here at Midi Bar since 2008. Um so we've been here for a fair while and we have three boys. We have Tom who is 15 and he's in year 10 down at boarding school in Brisbane. Then Harry is in year 8. He's down at boarding school also and then we've got the little surprise package Clancy who is nearly 9 and he's in year 3 and he does his school through Mount Isa School of the Air as I said on in his little schoolroom here in our backyard on the station. And, um, yeah, Midi Bar's 1.7 million acres and we go across to the Queensland border and we have around 11 people here on the station. So that's a little bit about me. I what have I realize, forgotten?
1: Oh, well, I just didn't realise that you'd been with NAPCO for so long. Like, you're not shy off a 20-year anniversary. Are we having some kind of party? <laughs> Do you get some kind of long-term service <laughs> recognition party? I know. It doesn't feel like that long. Marty's been with them for
2: <laughs> he's probably over thirty years. But um yeah, it is it is a while, isn't it? That's I suppose impressive. I came up here, um yeah, I came up here in two thousand and one as a governess for one year and um then I was going to move back to New South Wales and <laughs> that didn't turn out so well. I'm still here.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like you should. I mean, we, we often talk about a labour retention issue in this industry and how it's hard to get good people and then get them to stick around. But clearly, Napco is doing something right. If you're here almost twenty years later, so happy, yeah. Um,
2: I think they are. They are, Steph. And, and do you know most of their managers are exactly the same? Really long term. That's that's sort of the story of all
1: of their managers, really. Interesting. We'll have to do a special NAPCO episode. Mm. Um, now, I yeah. think you and I met in 2014 at the Barclay, one of the Barclay, because there's two each year, I think, Barclay Ladies' Day out at the road. Is it, what's the roadhouse called? Yeah. Yeah, we've only been, so it's the Barclay Homestead. Oh, yeah, that's the one. So, yeah, that's when we met. And you yeah. had just in that year, you just started your blog, Miss Shardy.
2: Oh, is that, I was trying to remember what year it was that that you and I met and yes, gosh, so that was the year, that was the year. Yeah, I forgot Miss Shardy, I didn't really tell anyone about that, did I? Uh, yes, yeah, so I did start that back in the beginning of 2014, Steph, um, I'd been on the station for a couple of months over the wet season and on Bar Station when it rains, you can't go anywhere. We've got about 200 K's of dirt road, and the only way out is by air. So I've stuck here with my family um, and just maybe one or two um, staff members. But yeah, I was going a little crazy. It was just myself and a bunch of blokes. And I'm an extrovert, so I was really craving the outside world, and so, yeah, my friend Felicity told me to check out this blog, and I started reading this blog that I, you know, I didn't even know what that was, Um, and really dug deep into that blog, and yeah, then I thought, maybe I could do this, maybe I could write um, about my life up here, and so, of course, I did, because I think I can do anything, (laughs) <laughs> no, I have no clue what I'm doing. You just got a winger. I decided, I, know, and I don't know why I think that just because other people are doing these things that, well, anyone must be able to do it. But, you know, normally these people are actually trained and professionals, but that's okay. I just Googled how do I start a blog on WordPress and off I went. Um, just read and read and read and YouTubed and... And just, yeah, found my way around what, like, it was like they were talking a whole different language using words like widgets and back end, and I just had no clue what I was doing. But I figured it out, and I started Miss Shardy, and that was because I like Chardonnay, and I was trying to think of a name for the blog, and um, yeah, I thought, well, Miss Shardy it is, Laughter in the Outback. And I just wanted to share my life and show people, um, you know, what life up here on a remote cattle station looks like and that there are actually real people living up here. And um, yeah, and it's just grown from there. It didn't, yeah, I didn't really think about it. I just wanted to share what our life was like and and um, just, you know, bit by bit and year by year, it's grown into a real little community of um, fabulous women.
1: It has. And I think my favorite thing about you and the blog, and I suppose almost you'd call it like the Miss brand because you've got your Facebook page as well. And then that's led on to, we'll talk about Wild Spark in a little bit, but everything you do, um, it's just so authentic. Like that's the word. And and it's good because you're different, not in a special way. Don't worry. I mean, you are special, don't worry. But, uh, <laughs> but I think there's so there's so many stories and a lot of conversation around when women come into the pastoral industry, uh, if they do come in um, or, or end up being a manager's wife or the partner of a manager, that it's all about having to fit in and conform and kind of you know like buck up and you're you know that's that's your life now and that's who you are. Whereas you're kind of you've kind of done it quite differently where you are still, you've still, um, how do I explain this? Like like I, I remember reading in some of your blogs, like you don't really like horses or you don't go mustering and you, you kind of like you're there on the station but you're not, You're kind of showing that you don't, there's not just this one idea of a station manager's wife and that you all just, you know, running around like you're just this hilarious woman who drinks Japanese slippers and writes these incredible blogs. And (laughs) (laughs) I might have made that sound a little bit more simpler than what your life actually is. But um, yeah, it was kind of like you're doing it your way. You're not trying to be someone else or feeling like you need to fit in.
2: And Steph, I think because the first blog that that my friend Felicity told me to get onto, it was called, um, it's Baby Mac. And her name is Beth and she lives down, she lives the complete opposite life to me. She lives down in the Southern Highlands in in this beautiful little house and with, you know, green grass and hills and it's cold and she has a fire going. And anyway... I just really resonated with the very first blog post I re- I read of hers really resonated with me and she was it was just no bullshit she was so honest and real and and that's what I really loved I loved how authentic she was and that you know she wasn't pretending to lead this perfect life because in my head up here, when I'm up here on the cattle station and I haven't seen my friends for a while or I, have, I haven't been to anyone's house, in my head, everyone is li- living this perfect life. And in my head, their houses look like something out of a country style magazine. But in reality, I'm not, well, I, I think that's true, but I know it's not true. Like there's very few people living a life that looks like it's out of a country style magazine. Um, and I don't realize that until I do pop over and see my friend Shelly next door, who is, you know, an hour and a half through the paddocks in a different state. And even in my head, Shelley is Miss Perfect, can do everything. Her house is perfect. Everything's perfect. And then I go over there and see her and I realize it's not like she is perfect, but <laughs> the reality is not what I have painted in my head. And yeah. that's what I really wanted to share with everybody on my blog, because back then I was in the toddler trenches. Um Clancy was probably only a two or three. he was born in, he was born in two thousand and eleven, so yeah, he was I was in the toddler trenches, and I don't cope very well with small children. Um, and I just wanted to keep it real and show people that, yeah, my life was a bit of a, I was, I'd go batshit crazy and, you know, and yeah, just show, and, and, and it's, it's so true because people aren't living those perfect lives. But when you're out here remotely and don't see anyone else, you start to paint these pictures in your head. And
1: yeah, that's, I just wanted to
2: keep it real, I guess.
1: How did you go about, I suppose, not even just through your blog but just your life, I suppose, as it's unfolded, being able to be who you are without it just doesn't feel like you have felt the pressure to conform. And you know, so many people are like, well, if I'm a station manager's wife, well, I need to be horsey. I need to be really good at this. I need to be be able to work with the cattle and be good in the <laughs> and have to be able to do all these things. Whereas I love that you just come out right and you're like, no, I don't ride horses. I don't go mustering. Like whatever. Like whereas I, I don't oh, know, I've heard definitely. other people say yeah. that. Like how do you? How did you? Kind of hold on to your own you know, what you were really thinking and feeling rather than being like, well, this is the role I need to play now?
2: Well, I guess the start of Steph, can I just say that I, I've just beaten myself up. I think for my oldest son is 15, as I said, and I think I really, I beat myself up still to this day. Well, maybe not as much, but when they were little, I always used to feel so guilty that I wasn't that horse mum. I wasn't. I couldn't teach them how to ride a horse. I couldn't take them, and and I'm I am a bit of an indoor cat too. My husband calls me the indoor cat. So, <laughs> and I and like all of my friends, Steph. Like all of my friends, they're outdoorsy. They're horsey. They're so capable. They can, they're cattle women. You know, they can go out there and do all of the things and. And I go over to see Shelley, and I'm like, "Oh, the dogs are jumping up on me! Get them away!" And anyway, but I feel guilty. I felt guilty when my children were young because they didn't have that sort of mum that would take them out, and I just felt I did feel a little bit trapped in the house. And but my children are fine. Like Tom can ride a horse really well. And, you know, because back then when they were little, the, you know, Marty didn't have the time to take them out and show them how to ride a horse and all, all of that sort of jazz. But, um, you know, Tom Tom can ride a horse. He can do a canter up. He broke in a horse last year. Um, he can shoe a horse. He can do everything. And so it just goes to show that even though I beat myself up and feel guilty about it, didn't matter and I wish I could have known that back then when when they were little instead of feeling guilty all the time but you're right Steph I, do, I don't ride a horse and I, I mean I can't pretend I can't fake it um, and to tell you the truth I don't really have the desire I we I, to be honest I wish I could ride a horse but I can't and it's a lot of work like you've got to catch that thing you've got to saddle it up you've got to ride it you've got to hose it off you've got to feed it. You've got, to, you've got to do a lot of things. And I think you have to have a passion for it. And I don't have that passion. And so I guess I've come to realize that I suppose people are my passion and I love bringing people together. And so for my for my outdoorsy friends who do love being out there with their dogs and their horses and everything, well, I I make them come to social gatherings and meet other women so I guess I guess that's my specialty Steph and and um yeah but it's taken me a while I it wasn't always like that but yeah I did I'm not a horsey person I'm not an outdoorsy person and I suppose we all have our our own special skills and there's no point pretending to be something you're not
1: I just, I suppose I don't really know many other people in this industry like that and it's so good to see you out there celebrating and embracing your differences rather than going, okay, I need to learn how to do this, this and this and this is how I'm going to dress and this is how I'm going to act, which I'm not saying that everybody else does that just to conform. It's kind of, you know, just more of a cultural kind of, you know, we all have similar yeah. interests, that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean that people with com- with different interests can't be a part of the community as well. Um so yeah, I just yeah. You're...
2: And Steph, do you know what I, I I think back when I did like even though it wasn't that long ago when I was starting this blog in two thousand and fourteen, I suppose not many people up here really did know what blogs were, and even my husband was like, you know, oh whatever, you know. And <laughs> I and I just thought, no, I'm just going to do this. And I guess my friends didn't really know what I was doing, and they didn't understand. And I just. I'm glad I really persevered with it and kept going because I then I googled, you know, blogging conferences because I love conferences and love meeting new women and from going to a few blogging conferences down on the Gold Coast well I've now got a whole community of other women in my life who are I guess from my blogging life who who are now actually my friends in real life and and that's pretty amazing that I've been able to meet those women and and then, as you said, through WildSpark, which is a whole different story, a bit of an offshoot of Miss Shardy WildSpark, I've actually been able to introduce my my friends up here with my blogging friends through WildSpark events. And, yeah, it's just funny where where these things lead you. Like when I started Miss Shardy, I didn't think for a second that that's where it would be. And that I just think if you do want to do something just poke along with it and believe in yourself. And even though other people mightn't understand what you're doing, one day they will because now those people who didn't really understand what I was doing, well, now uh, a lot of them, you know, have, and they're amazing women, like, God, you know them, Steph, like they're amazing women who have started their own businesses from remote cattle stations. And now they sort of understand what, Well, they definitely understand the back end of a website and what a blog is and how important social media is. Whereas back then, I guess they didn't really understand, but they absolutely get it now. And then I, and I think if you just, you know, walk to the beat of your own drum and you be you and do your own thing, then, you know, other people will eventually get it and realize what you're doing and it'll all become clear.
1: I know you were joking at the beginning of this episode when you said you were an outback pioneer woman, but really, if you think about it, you are because you're sort of like the first woman who. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm sure. Obviously, I don't know every every woman in the outback, but you've gone out there, um, and you've not conformed to what you know some people would think you need to do, and you've just built this entire life and career, and you kind of balance these two worlds, and you haven't let the geographical and social isolation stop you at all you've got a com- you've built a community around the country and i'm sure you'd have people around the world as well and you've just done something that nobody's really done from a cattle station before
2: <laughs> thanks steph um, no it doesn't matter where you live and especially you know in this day and age with the internet being the way it is it doesn't matter where you live and 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 it's there's so many more women you know doing Doing this sort of thing, but isolation doesn't mean anything when you've got internet and if you're willing to drive long distances, you've just gotta you've just gotta make it happen. If you want to do something, there's always a way to figure it out.
0: Think Water Broom are your local water experts for irrigation projects, big and small. Their fully stocked retail store sells the latest irrigation products, including fittings, pipe filtration and solar supplies. Covering the Kimberley and Pilbara regions of Western Australia, their knowledgeable and passionate team are experts in the design and implementation of the most water-efficient irrigation and water management programs across all sectors.
1: Now, speaking of isolation, are you coming up into week seven or week eight of isolation out there on the station? (laughs)
2: Uh Oh, Oh, well, Steph, we're in we're in week eight. Oh we're Lord. in week eight. And
1: it now, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> this did make me think when I I'd, I'd heard you on a podcast and you're like, oh, dear Lord, like we're in week seven of isolation. And I was like, oh, I thought it was pretty normal for people to be out in the station for seven weeks in a row without leaving. But um, how often do you usually go before you're able to do like a town run or is it just going to visit the neighbours or something like that? How has how COVID affected? Oh, Steph station yes. compared to normal. It
2: is normal for a lot yeah, it's normal for a lot of people, especially my husband, he doesn't go anywhere. But for me, I know my limits and the wet season tests them. So I feel like I was in training in January and February of this year for COVID nineteen because we were stuck here January, February, um, couldn't go anywhere. And then we I did. I went away for two weeks in March. Uh, And that is it. That is it for me for the year. I've been away for two weeks and that's it. Then came back from our Wild Spark event in Mount Isa and the world shut down and haven't been able to go anywhere. The border's closed. I can't even go over to see my friend Shelly. So normally when I, you know, if it's been two or three weeks and I'm the station cook here too, so... I know if I'm starting to get a bit cranky and, I'm, and I think, geez, what's wrong with me? I'm really not fit for human consumption. And it's normally when I've been here for a good three or four weeks, maybe, I know that, okay, it's maybe time for a town trip, just quick trip into town for the night, do a few jobs, or if I can't get to town, I know at the very least I have to duck over and see Shelly and, and have the night with her. And just go somewhere different, see other people, chat, just recharge my batteries. But I can't even do that, so it's yeah, it is a bit hard. And and I I have heard on some other podcasts people talk about they're talking about the third trimester of COVID, and and it seems that I'm not alone. Everyone is feeling the same feels. So yeah, I do feel a bit trapped, Steph. But it's okay. We've got a great bunch of people here, and um. Hopefully
1: there will be wine on the mail plane tomorrow. Yeah, talk us through what it's been like not being able to leave for seven weeks. And as I was gonna say, like I totally understand where you're coming from when you say that you um, you do need to leave every now and then. I get the same feeling as well that you just, just need to go somewhere different, see something new, have a conversation with someone different, and just kind of yeah, I don't know. And it's yeah. always nice when you get to put your town clothes on yep. as well, and you're like, mm-hmm, I got town clothes. I'm a real oh, human again. Jeff, yeah. What do you know? What I have started to do
2: since being here, I've been getting up, like I get into a real routine, but I've been getting up and putting makeup on each morning. Like I have never done that unless I go to town, but geez, it makes me feel good. Like I don't do it for anyone else, but I get up put a little bit of makeup on and I feel good. And it's just, I've sort of just got into the routine of it now, but yeah, not going anywhere or seeing different people. It's, it's tough but and I've I've found myself sort of I know when I get to the stage where I do need to recharge because I just feel a little bit lethargic and like I'll see that a hose needs fixing or I'll see and I'll just think oh I'll do it tomorrow yeah and and I I know that if if I could leave and go and see some like go over show to go you know see someone else see how they do things I come back refreshed with a bit of a bounce in my step and wanting to do, you know, wanting to be better and do things and get things sorted. But lately, I'm just, oh, the motivation seems to be sort of dropping and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. But um, yeah, there's nothing really we can do about it.
1: Well, as you said, you're hoping the mail plane, so that comes tomorrow, that that will have alcohol on it. Um, So, can you just talk us through on our listeners, like how you, (laughs) how it works out there, I suppose, to get alcohol, um, whether it's from town runs or the mail plane? And are there, I'm not sure about in the territory, but in WA for a little bit, we actually had alcohol restrictions during the early stages of COVID. I don't know if they thought people were going to stock up on that, like they did toilet paper, but I had a, a bunch of stations ringing me going, What does this mean? Like, we can only send one person into town because of all these restrictions to go get the stores anyway, um, but they can't go in and buy the beers for everyone. Like now there's these restrictions and they're all kind of, they like, it would look weird to anybody else if you yeah. 10 cartons of beer, but it's actually quite normal for a station because that's going to feed 20 people. So yeah. How do you normally do it? And yeah. how is COVID changing? Well, um, and how did you run out? Also? Yeah. Well, how are we normal? Oh, exactly. I expect so how? much better of you, Dan. How do so I call better. myself
2: Miss Shardy? Exactly. <laughs> it's a disgrace. I'm disgusted in myself, to be honest. I don't know how it's happened. It's just, yeah. You know, when you think, oh, no, I don't need it. If I don't buy it, it's not there. I won't. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's a lie. Anyway, so Steph, yes, we normally, so we normally get our beer by the pallet for starters. Wow, okay. Oil.
1: Absolutely.
2: But, um, but for... But for um, myself, I don't, I'm not really a beer drinker. So yeah, I get, um, I actually get it through vintage sellers and they're fantastic stuff. They do, it's free postage and yeah, get it out on them. And so our mail comes from Tennant Creek once a week on a plane Mm -hmm. and um, that's also where we get our fresh fruit and veg. And um, anything, any other little bits and pieces that we might need and maybe bread that comes out on the mail plane from the food barn in there. <clears throat> but um, yeah, the wine is from um, sort of the mail, yeah, online ordering.
1: How much do you order at a time? Can I ask? <laughs>
2: well, I didn't order for question? one, bo- like just for what? One- no, <laughs> look, I'm an open book, Steph. I'm an oversharer from way back. Um no, twelve. I did order a box of twelve, but then I did actually get on again the other <laughs> a few days later and thought that's ridiculous. I'll just have a constant stream and ordered some more. So yeah, don't tell
1: anyone. Except for all our listeners, but yeah, good deal, good deal. <laughs> um, and do they have to? Do they have to pack it? Because if it's on the mail plane, so the mail plane plane doesn't come directly from town straight to you guys, it would stop off at other stations along the way. So it's taking off, landing, taking off, landing. Do they have to pack that? I love that I'm like concerned here. I'm like, but what if they shake or what if they crack? Like. Do they have to like put padding in around the bottles? Oh no,
2: <clears throat> they're well. No, they're very well, very well packed. Steph, um, vintage <laughs> sellers are very experienced in the area, and um, no, it's it's perfectly okay. It it just it's just a normal size, yeah, box of twelve bottles of wine, and um, really? but you can order anything from them too. You can order spirits or
1: beer or anything. It's really good. That's so good. I'm glad you've got like your supplies down, Pat, and you know exactly. I'm sure you just you must just ring up now and be like, "Hey, this is Dan. I'll have the usual, please." Like
0: <laughs> charge it to my card. I've got an
1: open tab. Oh know. it's terrible. <laughs>
2: well, I, you know that mail. If that mail plane doesn't have the wine on it, oh
1: gosh, I don't know what's gonna. i have to take
2: up drinking forex. <laughs>
1: Is there like if you put if you cut up like some lime or some some kind of citrus and kind of splice it over the glass and pour the beer into a glass, will that make it any better? What if you put forex <laughs> into a into a champagne glass and water it down a little bit so it's like a paler colour? Then it could pass a chardonnay. Oh
2: well don't don't laugh, Steph. I actually last night did actually pour a beer <laughs> from the can into a into a glass and I was considering using a wine glass. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at in week eight. I'm pouring the beer into, and it's not even a glass, because we we turn our Legos tomato paste jars into glasses. So we just scrape off the label and use them as like water glasses. So there I was, week eight of COVID-19, drinking my can of 4X Gold in a Legos tomato paste jar. That's where I'm at.
1: Oh how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brilliant, oh, it's Dan. Not good. It's and meanwhile, not good. you're having to cook for the whole station, <laughs> and you can't see your friends. And you're home. Are you homeschooling, or do you have a guvy for that?
2: Oh God, no! I have a guvy. Okay. Good. Jeez, I don't have the patience for, for teaching. Give me the cooking any day. I cannot deal I've there's been very few times that I've had to go into that schoolroom, but when I do it doesn't end well it normally ends in me crying before the child has even arrived <laughs> and yeah it doesn't end well <clears throat> it doesn't end well Steph so yes I'm very lucky I've got a governess and then my two boys thankfully they're in year eight and year ten so I'm just hoping they're doing their work I've got them set up in little cottages where I've got wi-fi connected so Um, they're probably not doing their work, but in my mind they are. So yes. That's where I'm at.
1: That's right. You just pour another beer and it'll all be fine. All be fine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible, isn't
1: it? (laughs) These wheels are falling off. (laughs) Well, hey, if they don't finish school you can just employ them back on the state. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um they will Uh, finish. Yeah, but Tom Tom just Tom just wants to be out working. He's in year ten
2: and um yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, they're very unenthusiastic about going and doing their schoolwork.
1: Now, how long mm. have you been uh, running the kitchen at Midi Bar? Because I don't know if you were doing that when I first met you. Have you been doing that for a long
2: time? Oh, I like that running the kitchen. Thank yeah, you, no, chef. Yeah, no, I'm you're not the cook. You're the head. head you're the I'm head a chef. kitchen manager. Yes, you <laughs> are.
1: You
0: are.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, chef. And I say to myself, yes, chef. Yes, chef. <laughs> I'm also the dish pig and the kitchen hand. Um, yes, yeah, Steph, I have been, When? how long have I been doing that for? I've only been doing that for probably two nearly, going on two years, not quite two years. Um, we were really lucky when we moved here. We had a beautiful cook, Susan, and then Susan moved on. And then we had Aileen and Brian came and they worked for us. Aileen was the cook and Brian was the ball runner and they were with us for about seven, six or seven years, I think. And so we were super, super lucky and very spoiled. They were butchers and Aileen just did everything. She was like superwoman. I learned everything I know from her, everything about running a kitchen and how to be a station cook. I learned mainly from her and from the other beautiful women who I worked for up here and, um, yeah, we were spoiled. So when my kids were really young, I was lucky to have Aileen. I didn't have to even think about the kitchen. And then, um, yeah, she ruined us a little bit for cooks, um, I must say. And then, yeah, so we had a we have had a um, few cooks in between. And then, yeah, I've been doing it for the past few. I just thought, oh, I'll just do it. I can't. I just couldn't be bothered finding a, finding a new cook. And, and um, yeah, so I've been doing it ever since. Didn't If you had have told me sort of three or four years ago that, that I would be doing that, I would have laughed. And that if you had have told me I'd be enjoying it, I would just would sort have of laughed because I just never, I, I used to go over there when Aileen was cooking and she would have everything super clean and organized and she was never stressed and her food was awesome. And, and I just didn't know how she did it all and I couldn't even imagine. But um, I suppose as the kids have gotten older and the older two are away at school and Clancy's at school, it's definitely easy to do it without children under your feet or Lego all around the kitchen. Um, yeah, I don't know how these women do it. Who They're teaching their own kids, they're cooking for all of the crew and they're doing everything because oh, I'd be a nut nutcase like I'm just lucky that I don't have to teach Clancy and I can concentrate on feeding our feeding our wonderful crew
1: well you seem to have picked it up pretty well and must be going fairly strong because you've released a cookbook this year which I just love can you tell everyone what your well what you've called the cookbook and then what your husband has called the cookbook
2: (laughs) okay the cookbook yes uh, it's called Miss Shadi's Guide to Station Cooking, and I've thought about, ever since I started cooking, and I've got my go-to recipes that, you know, over the years from the stations that we've lived on and the cooks who have cooked for us, all these fabulous tried and tested recipes, and, I, and I've and i shared them a lot of them on my blog, so I have a little sort of catalogue of them on my blog but I thought I've always thought I'd love to do a sort of guide that I could just hand to a cook and say this is what we want and I think it came about sort of last year we had backpackers so I had some backpackers helping um, and they we'd turn them over sort of every three months so when if I had to go away then they would step in and do the cooking and Actually, one of them was a vegetarian, so I had to literally tell, like, leave step-by-step instructions of how to do everything. And so, I kind of had that on my computer and had that had those instructions. And I thought, oh, I could, this is great. I could put this in. If I did a cookbook, I could put this in. And basically, I just wanted the cookbook to be. I just worked it on being something that was for me and it was all my favorite recipes in the one spot and they're the recipes I use day in and day out and it was something that I could hand to a backpacker or to a new cook and say here you go this is how you do it this is how you do a roast you put it in at this time this is what time you put this in this is how you do this this is right down to even mashed potato because she didn't actually know what mashed potato was and so I had step-by-step instructions for that. And so it's kind of, it's a great sort of beginner's cookbook too. If if someone's moving out of home and they don't know how to cook, then that sort of teaches them as well. But yeah, it's a whole guide to station cooking. And so of course, you know, because Steph, I think I can do everything. And not only do I think I can, you know, create a website, but I think I am a author who can publish a cookbook And that, you know, that's pretty easy. So, yes, decided to have 500 printed and didn't really proofread it. Just (laughs) typed it up, sent it. Because (laughs) because I dive into everything head first, like a bullet a gate, and I don't dive in and think later. Well, yeah, the cookbook, we got it printed. It looks pretty, but it's... Got mistakes in it, and I just felt sick. I I noticed these mistakes, and I'm like, oh no, I've had 500 printed. Like, no, not just a hundred, 500. And so each time I'd find a new mistake, I'd say I was over in the kitchen one day, and I said, oh no, I found another mistake, you know, and it's actually. It's not a funny mistake, like it's actually a measurement. And my husband said, this must, this must be the most effed cookbook ever. and Of course, he said it in harsher terms than that. But yeah, the most effed cookbook ever. That's what he said.
1: That is so good. I actually didn't know the story behind yeah. why he said that. So I just seen it on Facebook and I was like, I wonder what's going on here. Well, I suppose, didn't the book? Yeah, the it's book really supportive.
2: Like, well, Steph, I was ready to burn all 500 copies. I was like, these cannot be in circulation how embarrassing like i'm meant to i'm a station cook imagine these in station kitchens and they're like oh this didn't turn out right or oh she stuffed that up and anyway i was so embarrassed and i just felt sick but then i just wrote a blog i wrote a blog post just confessing owning up to it telling everyone exactly what had happened and everyone was like, I want that cookbook. I want the original version. I want the I want the most effed cookbook. And anyway, so my friend Ed, who is my Wild Spark partner, she talked me around. Um, it took a while, but yeah, I was ready to burn them. She talked me around and convinced me to sell some And I said, right, I'll sell a few at our Wild Spark event in Mount Isa, but that's it. I'll just cover the costs that it cost us to print them and then we're burning the rest. Anyway, no, long story short. We sold some at the Wild Spark event, then I came home.
1: Hi guys, Steph here. So even though I'm the one in town and Shards is out on a very remote cattle station on the Barclay, it was actually my internet that dropped out at that point and I had to wait for it to calm down, turn itself back on so I could call her back. Anyway, this is where we picked up our conversation from.
2: Yeah, I was ready to throw the books out and then we took them to Wild Spark and I was just going to sell us many as I could to cover the costs of what it cost us to print the books and then I can and then everybody was saying they wanted they wanted the original copy so I thought okay I'll have a little sticker made up to put inside the book and we had the books down at a warehouse in Brisbane where they were going to be distributed from um dispatched for post like instead of me sending them from up here on the station, which would take forever. Um, So, yes, I decided before I could put them online, I would have this sticker made up and that sticker sent to the warehouse where it would get put in the book with any mistakes to be fixed. So then once that sticker arrived, I put it online to sell and um, because I think I'm a web developer as well, I created a little online shop on Miss And... um, Yeah, clicked, like told everybody because I had people messaging me, asking me, oh, I really want to buy your book. I don't care about the mistakes. How do I buy your book? And I'm like, okay, I've got to have a launch date where hopefully the sticker will be at the warehouse. And I was like, yep, okay, the 6th of, I think it was the 6th of April. I said, okay, yep, done. And so, yeah, had my website all sorted, had some friends, my beautiful friend Amanda from Sunday Cowgirl, gosh, she... She, she spent some hours helping me with that and also my other friend who I met through blogging, Kirsten from Kirt, um, she they helped me so much with the back end. Anyway, that's a whole different story. But um, yeah, launched the cookbook online and it sold out in just over 24 hours, Steph. So it was crazy. We were really not prepared for that. We, we were totally unprepared for that.
1: Um just would have been insane. happy to sell a few. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> incredible. As as from somebody who's also had a well, Central Station's had a book and after the first when we got the second print done, it was up to us to sell them rather than going into retailers. And so from somebody who knows what it's like to try and sell a book, like that is incredible. How exciting. And if you think about oh, it, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. It was well, I was just thinking, like, while well, your husband's like, "Oh, it's the most effed cookbook ever," it is a collector's edition. It's a first edition. In hundreds of years from now, people are going to be like, "Look at this first edition, Danielle <laughs> Doyle book." Like, mine's got the sticker in it, whereas you've got like, you know, the second oh, or third edition. Like, it's embarrassing. No, it's hilarious. <laughs> also, and the
2: more, the think, more, the more honest we were, the more people wanted
1: it. It was crazy. May, they just felt bad They're like oh god we've got to try and ease her financial burden <laughs> no yeah, not but at all girl we just I think need to it, buy her book <laughs> i think you should have offered a like a sum for sale without the sticker and then people could have gifted them to people that they didn't like and been like here yeah, yeah this is a tried and tested scone recipe that calls for half a cup of half a cup of salt not half a teaspoon you know oh, and that would be hilarious yeah, actually that's given me an idea like, will it be obvious oh, if we get one and we peel off well, the sticker? Um, oh,
2: well, I've um, so yeah, so it's all sold out, and people are saying, oh, "I love your book." And I'm thinking, "Oh, wait until a recipe doesn't work out, and then you won't love it so much." But um, we I've gone through and fixed up any of the mistakes that I know about, and we've had an the next edition printed, and so people were asking for. The book and I said, okay, you can. So I launched a pre-sale of the second edition, and that arrived at the warehouse last Friday. And um, we'd already sold over 200 pre-sales of that one. So, yeah, it's really exciting. So those people are getting a little. But the first edition, I I reduced the cost of it too, and I just thought, oh, you know, I'll just be happy to sort of cover my costs and sell what I can. But, um, yeah, we've um already sold over 250 of the, the next one.
1: How um, exciting. I think I need exciting. to get a copy because when you said that you're <laughs> writing down things step by step, like I'm so basic. I only got a Thermomix last year and that has saved my bacon and that's because it literally tells you, like, put this in turn the knob this far like it's idiot proof but i've actually um yeah. confession time i've cooked one roast in my entire life that was a roast chicken at anna Plane station um and old john stoke was supervising me the entire time and actually telling me what to do so really i don't even know if i'd count it as i've ever cooked a roast so i kind of when you were like i just write down <laughs> step by step i was like okay Maybe I can, maybe I can do this one. This this will be the ultimate test as to how idiot proof it is. If I can make something from this cookbook, then then you've hit a home run, Dan. But if I can't, then well, it it kind of was tested
2: on my vegetarian backpacker because she couldn't even taste the food, so I literally had to write it step by step, which. Worked out for me in the end because now that's all in the cookbook, and um and I think if there are if there's anyone thinking oh I might like to be a station cook, well this is the book for them because it sort of tells them I mean it tells them how we run our station kitchen and every station kitchen's different but and also Steph a lot of the recipes I have I've got the single double triple and quadruple batches so you know if you're making a batch times four you don't have to try and times it in your head like it's all there for you. Yeah
1: um do you guys do your own killers out at at Midivar?
2: Yep yeah yep yep so the crew go out and we're actually due for one soon because we they go out and get it and then we hang it for about a week and um yeah my husband and Georgie, our head Stockman normally break it down and they make, the, they make sausages
1: and um, corn the beef. How, do you like to get involved in that or is that one of those things where you're like, indoor cat, indoor cat? Mm,
2: I'd prefer not to. I have done it. Um, I have done it with Marty and he's tried to show me how to make sausages but no, I'd prefer not to learn how to do that. Um, I can corn the beef if I have to. Um, we're not actually, Steph, funny story, when I came up as a governess to Alroy Downs and I worked for Sue and John Stafford, um, I learned a lot from Sue. She taught me lots in the kitchen, but also part of my job there was um, I was a governess. But I also, when they got a killer, Sue taught me how to um, pump the corned beef. And what else did I have to do? I had to pump the corned beef. And what does pumping corned beef else? mean? But what does that mean? Well, like you have to, um, well, you have to. We inject the brine into it, so you make oh. a brine. Um, that's what makes it salty. And you, but at Alroy, we had this hand pump. It so you stick it in. It's like it's like a needle, and then all the brine juices squirt into the corned beef, and it puffs it up, and it's just full of the the brine I guess and yeah here we've got an electric one but um yeah so it all it's
1: all nicely corned and beautiful and Can you can you tell that I haven't corned a beef like corned beef before? <laughs> I've seen it done <laughs> well, once. you know um
2: I won't <laughs> hold that against you <laughs> That's okay. I, I didn't even know I just Not remember many once. many people probably have.
1: No once I walked into a kitchen and all it was was although I don't know is this hopefully this is the same thing there was like a big chunk of beef in like a pot of water boiling and they're like boiling beef. And I was like, why are you cooking that meat in water? Like, that's so weird. And they're like, that's how you make corned beef. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I like to eat corned beef. Yeah, well, beef, that's how you, know,
2: you cook it. But yeah. before that, yeah, that's how you cook it. But before that, so when they're cutting up, the breaking down the killer, um, the corned beef, we've got these massive big tubs plastic tubs with a lid on them so they make a brine mix so they make a big you know heaps of water and salt and and um some flavoring and stuff in there um and then that's the water you also use to pump into the corned beef but then all those big chunks of meat sit in that brine so that's in my cold room at the moment and then when I want to cook a piece I pull it out and yeah you normally cook it in some boiling water but my trick is now a friend of mine taught me to just stick it straight in the slow cooker i don't put any liquid in just throw it in it sounds ridiculous it sounds like you need water but you don't it works trust me stick it in the slow cooker i slather it with some dijon mustard and some honey my mum told me that one and i turn it on and i if i need cold meat for the next day i might do that like pop it in like that the night before I leave the kitchen and then the next morning just pull it out. Like I might put it on low and leave it cooking all night. Um, but, yeah, for dinner, I'll put it on sort of maybe 10 o'clock in the morning and just turn it on and it is delicious. And by the end of it, that slow cooker is full of liquid. So oh there's God. a little handy hint for you.
1: That sounds amazing. <laughs> now I'm regretting the fact that I don't know how to make corned beef. Um I'm coming to visit.
2: Oh, you'll be right,
1: Steph. You'll now, be right. i <laughs> you're visit. I love visitors. Oh, the minute these restrictions are lifted, don't you worry. I'm coming out there.
0: Charles Darwin University's agricultural and rural operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems, offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property or in the top end ag industry, while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. They will come to you and service some of the most remote areas in the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au.
1: So we've covered a bit today. We've covered um, a little bit about who you are, where you are, um, the ISO, how like, and just just how you're a bit different. I mean, I don't I, as as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I'm like, Steph, don't say it like that. That sounds so offensive. But <laughs> basically, how you're, I'm a little un- bit different. Yeah, I feel like if you were if you were going to have like a a book or something like the, the, like a biography, it'd be called like unapologetically authentic or something. I don't know. Like the. Oh God.
2: No, I beat myself up all the time, Steph, because I, I'm, I'm, I do think that I need to be more like, well, cause I have such capable friends and I, and I just can't do all that
1: stuff. But you've got to, (laughs) this is what I love. Like, everybody brings something different. No. Well, and everybody brings something different to the party. So, you know, you're making the Japanese and it may be like, oh yeah, you caught the horses or you did this or you whatever, you know, went out in the yards and did that. But I made the Japanese slippers and I taught you how to start an online shop. And, And it's not really a, and this is something I've actually written a blog about before. It's, and I called it not better, not worse, just different. Cause it's not, oh, well, maybe you can do that, but I can do this. Like, it's not like a competition to be like, well, it's not like saying that you know one's better than the other it's just different like yeah maybe you can fully brand and castrate and do everything in the yards um, and I can't but I can you know I've written a cookbook and I've you know feed the station and I have a podcast and you know all the things that you do do so it's not about you know somebody's got more or better skills and experiences than the other they're just different and you need and if you think about that in the context of the world like if everybody could do the same stuff we'd be pretty limited in like what and how the world function because we need
2: different people to fill all the gaps wouldn't it yeah yeah, that's right it'd be a boring old world and that's right Steph and especially and in this day like you know we're in 2020 there's more there's so many more people doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing now because you know people do understand the power of connecting online and and what that can bring and starting businesses like the amount of women that I know that have started businesses remotely from their cattle station. Like and that's what it's all about. Like that's what I wanted Miss Shardy and Wildspark to be like showcasing that women are doing this and what we can do up here and what our life is like and and just connecting women no matter where you are. And I And that's what you're doing with Central Station too.
1: Yeah. I just think I'm hoping that a lot of, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will get something out of this episode in that, just showing that, yeah, you don't have to be who you think you're supposed to be if you're out. If you're in this industry, there's certainly an image and a culture and, you know, and, and that there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of people have this. That's what happens when you put a group of people together that have the same interests. You know, you can you kind of tend to dress the same, you know, talk the same, talk about the same <laughs> stuff, you know, enjoy the same things. But there is so much room for people to be completely different and still very much, you know, like you bring so much to our industry. So I just, yeah, it just does my mind in that you beat yourself up about it because I just think you're amazing. Yeah, amazing.
2: Oh, And Steph, I think I've also met so many amazing women being up here and I've had such great leaders, women leaders that, you know, have come before me like Robin Peeling or Sue Stafford or, you know, Carmel Wagstaff who's, Started Barclay Women's Day and then Bernadette Burke who took it over. You know, I just looked up to these women and just thought they were amazing. And yeah, there's there's definitely been amazing role models who have gone before me. And yeah, no, we can do our own thing. And it's yeah, you don't have to be something that you're not. Just do your own you do you and and let it see where it takes you, I think. And gosh, People, if people have made it this far in the podcast, they've probably got sore ears from me banging on. I know. So well, I, I apologise.
1: No, that's all right. Well, I know as we've discussed. You know, you've got a kitchen to run because you are managing. Did I say you were running? Yeah, you're running the kitchen. What <laughs> did I say? Managing? I've got to get back to managing my kitchen,
2: okay. Steph. Got to you go. Are. And-
1: That's like Well, if you think about it, I'm sure if we were writing this up as a position description to go on Seek or, you know, another job ad site, you'd need to be responsible for ordering stores and maintaining a good supply of fresh and um I don't know, what do you call it, like non fresh stores all year round. You have to be able to cater for a range of people. Yeah, stores stores. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, and then um, you have to be able to cook different meals and, and, and cater for different numbers at short notice as well. Um, you have to just cook a bucket load of food, not like you know, for three or four people at a time. It's quite a job. Like, <laughs> and you've and you've got to provide the nutrition. You just can't yeah. keep pumping out easy crap. Like, you've got to provide nutrition and all sorts of stuff. So it's it is quite a job. Um, and and is that funny? Yeah, you know, obviously the manager is a really important person on a station, but at the end of the day, like if the food, I spoke to this about a few because there was a, uh, some friends of mine last year on a place and for a period of time they had a station who was a little bit underwhelming. I'm a, I've actually heard from another person who's, who's had to sit down one of their cooks before and have the talk, um, but someone else, like they said it actually started to cause problems in the crew because like I think smoke was, oh. I can't remember what it was, yep. but it was something really it was like I can't but it was just something so not like I don't know the food was just awful for those few months and they said it started to like make problems in the crew because everyone was kind of grumpy because every meal was a big shit and like usually you look forward to like having a break and like hoeing into some good food and like they all yeah just got the shits yeah you're a very important person there well Steph it's so true it is it is really
2: true because And that is why I'm cooking. That is why I'm cooking, Steph, because I just couldn't bring myself to find a new cook who could make the camp happy and keep station morale up. And it it really is the most important job because if things aren't right in the kitchen, if you've got a really cranky cook who doesn't want to be there, she's nasty to everyone, she's she's not going to be cooking delicious food because and I say this in my cookbook, I say, you know, if you're going to be the station cook, you're gonna have long days. You need to be happy, you need to be welcoming. The kitchen needs to be somewhere where people can feel welcome, like they can come in and get a cup of coffee and they can grab, you know, a little piece of cake, you know, if they've finished work for the afternoon and not feel guilty and not feel like they're in trouble. And because if you get to that stage where the cook isn't making people feel welcome or they're cranky all the time. Nobody wants to be in there. Nobody's talking. Nobody's laughing. Nobody wants to eat the food because the only thing you can taste is hate. And I say in my cookbook, don't forget to add a sprinkle of love and a cup full of happiness because people will taste it in your food. And if you're not, happy the only flavor that they will taste is hate and hate doesn't taste very nice so it is it is a very important part of station living because if if people aren't fed properly and they don't want to be in that kitchen station morale is down and it has a massive flow on effect so yeah I guess that's why I'm doing it and yeah it's actually worked out pretty well so I'm actually enjoying it.
1: I love that sprinkle of love and cup of happiness. I was going to be like, and if all else fails, just drown it in alcohol. <laughs> Wash it down with alcohol, it'll be fine. But no, oh, no. no. we're not encouraging that. <laughs> well, that's all you know. And honestly, I that's, that's, that's probably. Funny, no, I, I,
2: no. Sorry, Steph, I saw a funny joke on Facebook. I saw a funny joke on Facebook today that did say, um, does anyone know how much vodka I need to add to my scrambled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! I thought it was pretty funny.
1: I'm just thinking. I'm sure, like God, that probably has happened somewhere where people don't like the food, so they kind of choke it down and then chase it, chase it with a couple of beers, and then next minute, you know, you're increasing oh, the booze. Definitely, in the camp, so, yeah. just,
2: Steph, it is, it is really hard to find a station, a good, happy station cook who cooks good hearty meals. We don't want, we don't want restaurant quality we just want good hearty old-fashioned meals served with a side of love and a smile on your face it's not hard and the crew will love you forever like it's just it's just not that hard but it's really hard to find the right person
1: well luckily they've got you out at midi bar so i won't hold you any longer i'll let you get back to tonight's <laughs> dinner which is uh, what what is just out of curiosity what is on the menu tonight Oh, it's out! It's out of this great cookbook
2: called <laughs> Michaudie's Guide to Station Cooking, and it's called Cruella Vilde Sausages. So they're actually just deviled sausages, but I call them Cruella Vilde, like out of a hundred and one Dalmatians. Cool and uh, <laughs> really does... easy one pot wonder in the slow cooker, and served with mash and veggies.
1: And uh, I'm sure you can be expecting call from Disney's lawyers after they listen to this. But yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> 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 you know <Definitely. laughs> um but so yeah so we've we've covered a Call bit me. in this episode it's been a bit of a we jumped around a little bit but I just feel like that's kind of how we are um and so if you oh, would obliging fun, to come back yes. I'm going to get you to commit to doing this on ah. air um so that that way it's on record and you have to I think well we need to do an episode <laughs> you, about don't wild, to get,
2: you don't have to get it on air I'm excited.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, we got to do an episode on Wild Spark. We've got to do an episode on your podcast, which is also by the same name. Um, which I will put all the links down in the show notes. Um, but just briefly, before I let you go, what and then also, so we'll do some other episodes about. There's just so many adventures that you've had. I feel like you're you. Are, Have seriously gained (laughs) some frequent flyer miles with the RFDS. Um, So I'm sure we could do a whole episode on that and what happens when you, what can you do with those frequent flyer miles that your children have accumulated. Um, But before we go, what, if people obviously (laughs) can't wait, um, where can they find the podcast and what is it about? Uh, So the podcast is just my
2: Wild Spark partner, Ed, who lives down at Brookfield in Brisbane. And Wild Spark is all about bridging the city-country divide, helping women be the best they can be no matter where they live. And it's just, we're just basically two crazy ladies who just love, we're, we're so alike. We just love people. We love bringing people together. And that is what our podcast is, just us being crazy. And we also talk about the differences. Each week we have one subject. So last week it was grocery shopping and how that looks for Ed and how that looks for me. And then um, we spoke about power. I think the one coming out, yes, this week, this Friday, they drop each Friday morning. It's all about power and how I get my power and how Ed gets hers because we're five hours from town and we don't have power lines. So, yeah, and then we have recommendations and, yeah, we're just basically two crazy ladies having a chat
1: kind of sounds a little bit similar to these two crazy ladies, but not at all. Um, I'm just going to put myself in that basket (laughs) there. very similar. (laughs) So I will put all the uh, links down in the show notes and on our website as well. People will be able to find it. It's called Wild Spark. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and is it available through any other platforms at this point?
2: Yeah, it's on Stitcher and Spotify too and I don't know where else. I don't really know how to find out that, but I know it's definitely on those. If you're not on Apple, you can get it on Spotify or Stitcher.
1: Perfect. Well, I look forward to the next episode, Dan. We might talk about Wild Spark or maybe we'll talk about the podcast. Maybe we'll talk about your RFDS frequent flyer miles um, or maybe you can teach me how to make a Japanese slipper. So, which is, even though you're... i I always find it interesting that your name is miss shardy because you like a good chardonnay and yet you're always drinking japanese slippers which to be honest i don't actually know what's in a japanese slipper but um. oh well well you'll find out you'll find out all right thanks so much for your time dan thanks dad talk soon bye